Hello, and welcome to episode 152 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. A warm welcome to Nancy R., Kate G., Philippe R., and Varen M. to the Modern Manager community. Together, we are building a community of managers who can support each other, share advice, and celebrate wins as we are all improving our management skills. Head on over to themodernmanager.com slash join to learn more about the various memberships. Now, today's guest is Deanne Turner. Deanne is a 35-year veteran in identifying, selecting, and growing talent. She has unparalleled insight and experience in talent acquisition, career and leadership development, and organizational culture. Deanne is an author and speaker, as well as former vice president of talent for Chick-fil-A, where she helped shape the company's historically remarkable culture. Deanne and I talk about managing up, what it is, what it looks like in action, how to talk to your team members about managing you, and what not to do that can get you into trouble. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Dan, it is a pleasure to have you today. I'm really excited because we are talking about a topic that I have never talked about on the show before, which is managing up. So welcome. Thank you so much, Mamie. And it's my pleasure to be with you today. So most of the time on the show, I talk about managing down, I guess is how you might frame it. Although we just consider it managing, right? Like how do you manage people? And they're usually the people on your team, they're your colleagues. Sometimes we actually have to reverse that dynamic and we have to manage up. So can you just start by setting the stage of how do you think about what managing up is and why we need to do it? Well, when I think about managing up, it you know, everybody has somebody they're responsible to. Even if you're the top person in the organization, you're accountable to potentially uh, obviously customers or clients or board of directors. Everybody usually has somebody that they they have to please in that upward channel. And when I think about its importance, you know, it's really, that's really how you're going to grow and succeed in your career is that ability to actually help that person manage you. So let me give an example of what I'm talking about. Let's talk about performance management. Have you ever thought about the fact that, you know, as employees, when we're going into performance management discussion, sometimes we're anxious about that or we're concerned and what the outcome could be. Have you ever thought about that your leader might be as well, that that's not the most comfortable thing for them to do. So one of the great things that an employee can do is actually make that conversation go better. How can you do that? Well, for me, I advise people to do three things when they go into that conversation about performance management, that they come prepared to talk about the responsibilities they've grown in during this performance cycle, the competencies they've added because of those responsibilities, and the results that they've created. And then what I tell them to do is and give examples of all those things. Tell a story about it. And if you come into the conversation prepared to help your leader know all this information, wow, it takes such pressure off of them. And all of a sudden, this is a great conversation for both of you. And so there are all kinds of of little ideas like that that you can actually help your boss lead you better. I love that example of like being prepared, coming in and helping your boss 
you know, almost like doing their job for them, but not in a way that feels like you're stepping across a line, but, but really in a facilitative way. Right. I, and, you know, even when, like when I'm coaching people about going into a job interview, I tell them the same thing. It's like, you just assume that the interviewer is the expert, but there's really no better expert on you than you. And if you are comfortable in telling your story and you've really given a lot of thought to, you know, everything I'm talking about, skills, experiences, results, all of those things that you've gotten feedback from other people that have helped you form your narrative, you won't believe how much relief it is for the person on the other side, whether it's the other side of the screen these days or the other side of the table, whatever the case is. But if it's the interviewer, or it's the boss, you know, sometimes they're nervous or sometimes they're unsure about the situation too. Maybe they're learning in their role and you come prepared like that. And you've made it a lot easier. And all of a sudden, you're becoming their favorite employee. So let's talk about a couple other examples. What other ways have you seen people successfully manage up? Or where are the other areas that people tend to do to like really make a difference when they show up and, and manage up in that way? So I think about the whole area of innovation. And if you really study innovation, you learn that most of that comes from the people who are actually doing the work. And it and usually grows upward because people who are doing the work every day see ways to improve and see ways to pivot and, and make something you know even more successful. So I'll give you an example. I worked for Chick-fil-A for a number of years, as you know, and one of the things that they were always investing in was technology, or at least the last decade, they made a big push in technology. And all the changes that were coming about were coming from people deep in the organization that were seeing some, you know, different needs. And so, for instance, you know, they, they had the number one app for their mobile ordering for a long, long time. And then from within the restaurants themselves, the franchisees and their team members were very innovative, too. And one of the things was that they came up with this drive-through uh, play using iPads. And some people don't remember when this first happened. But they remember it now during COVID because it's, you know, it is the way it's done and it's been copied by other people as well, or, or other people have implemented the same process now since this last year has driven this necessity. But when it was being innovated at the time, they couldn't see what was coming. But the point to all this is, is that some of the best ideas are coming from deep within the organization. But sometimes what happens is that we don't know exactly how to present them so that people hear us. And, you know, I like the, sometimes you have to make it when you're talking with your leader and you have this innovative idea, you have to find a way sometimes to make it their idea. That helps you sell that a lot better. And so the way you do that is you're asking questions such as, what do you think our biggest challenge is? Well, what do you think if we made this approach, do you think that would work? And so your whole conversation is getting their input so that they're processing the idea that you want to bring out loud. And you know, if, if you don't quite lead them there, you can always say, I've been thinking about this. And what do you think about this idea? Rather than I've had this idea I want to share with you. Just that one little nuance makes a difference in how you can lead up with your leader. That's so fascinating to think about like preparing the canvas for the paint almost, right? Like yeah. how do you prepare your manager or your leader to hear your ideas in a way that doesn't feel threatening, but also doesn't give up your power or your role, right? Like that's that's also, we don't want to just, you know, kind of abdicate all responsibility and be like, okay, just take my idea and I get no credit. So this idea of 
kind of getting someone ready to listen to you. you know, I think about that a lot going the other way that as managers, a lot of times we are the one who are, you know, we want to influence our team members. We don't want to direct them and we're doing the same thing. And here it is, we see it in the opposite. Well, exactly. And don't forget that they're having to manage up to somebody too. So again, you endear yourself when you prepare them so well to be able to do that. And and when you're asking them questions that they're responding to and this idea is developing, whatever it's about, you're actually helping that leader gain confidence as they manage up. So it's really it, that process you know, becomes repetitive as it moves up the chain. And this idea about who gets the credit is one of the things I was really taught in my early career. And so many people have been given credit for what I'm about to say, this quote. But I always heard it was Robert W. Woodruff, who was the chairman of the Coca-Cola company for a long time. And he said, you know, there's no limit to what a person can do if they're not concerned with who gets the credit. And I think that we have to have a little humility in those. If we're going to manage up well, there's some humble spirit that you have to have. Because, you know, if you help enough people get enough of what they want long enough, you'll eventually get what you want. So if the boss succeeds, you succeed. If the team succeeds, you succeed. If the organization succeeds, hopefully you succeed. So helping contribute to that hopefully will only lead to positive things for you and not to be so concerned if you get the recognition right at that moment. That's a good reminder to all of us. I feel like maybe I, maybe there are times where it's it's just less important if you get credit, you know, or if as long as you're contributing something and you feel good about the contribution, you feel valued overall for being part of the team then the, the actual credit matters less. Good note. Well, whatever it is, though, I think if you consistently do something over and over, eventually you'll get the recognition for it. So you might have the best idea you've ever had and you know the organization picks it up or your team or even your boss takes your idea. And I've been there. I've had that happen. Where your boss takes your idea and runs with it. And all of a sudden, everybody's talking about what a great idea he or she had. But I think if you consistently do it enough, you'll eventually get the recognition you're looking for, too. So are there other areas, I love this one around innovation, and we talked now a little bit about performance reviews, but is there another one that you have that is a great space where people can can try to manage up effectively? Well, I think it's very true about the culture of the organization. Now, I have, you know, from a, as I teach about culture, I really have a point of view that it has to start at the top and be demonstrated if it's going to be successful. And when I talk about culture, I'm talking about, you know, having a meaningful purpose and a challenging mission and demonstrating core values in your organization. But a lot of people don't work in organizations like that. They don't even work on a team like that. So always talk about starting where you are. So if you're in an organization that the culture is struggling and you're early in your career, maybe you're a first-line supervisor and you have a small team around you, well, I always say control what you can control. So all you can control is that team. You can't control what the rest of the organization does, but you can start there. And does your team have a meaningful purpose, a why for they, the reason they exist? Do they have a challenging mission? You know, a big goal that the whole team's going after. Do you have de- core values, the beliefs that you hold most dear as a team articulated? And is you, as that supervisor, are you demonstrating that to your team? And are the team members demonstrate that? And if you start right there where you are and start building something like that, and then once your team has it together, you know, go to your peers and say, hey, we've been working on this, might help you. Start influencing your peer group 
And as the results come from establishing a more healthy culture on your team, it'll work its way up to the next level. And that I think that might be the most significant influence you can have on your organization is to influence the culture because that will help everything else be more successful. I completely agree that if you can build a strong culture for your team, that it will either protect you from the whirlwind around you that might be unhealthy, or it will start to permeate out, especially if you are advocating for it and you are role modeling it. So I'm wondering, you know, if you if you are, are managing your small team, right? And so you've now gone through this process, or maybe you already have with some values, some, you know, kind of cultural elements, and you feel good, but you realize that you're part of a team your boss hasn't done that with you and your peers. Is this something that can you go talk to your boss about this and say, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm wondering like, what do you see as our team's values? Or, you know, is there a way that you can kind of percolate this up in a really intentional way? Oh, I think absolutely. I think you, again, especially if you've produced the results on your own team. So once you've done that, once you've put that together and, you know, if you're producing results, people above you are going to start asking why anyway, you know, how did you, how did you create this? Well, this is how we did this. And we started with our culture, for instance. So then I think, again, you're doing that same process where you're trying to get your boss to ask the questions, you know, how did you do this? Why, you know, how are you accomplishing these results? Well, how did you do that? But then I think there comes a time, you know, if you're not getting the questions, you have to, you have to start nudging in the right direction. So I always believe you start at the bottom line and start with the results because that's what most leaders want to hear about. And you say, you know, you start talking about results and then it's like, could I tell you more about how I think we accomplished this? And then you start diving into this conversation about, well, we, we shifted our culture and this is what we did. We, we had everybody rally around a purpose. We decided this is why this team exists, to do this for the organization. And this was the big goal we worked on this year. And we accomplished it and we celebrated it. And guess what? We set a new goal now that we've accomplished that one. And we really determined what our core values are. And we're trying to live them out every day. And here's some examples of how team members on the team are doing this, which is a great opportunity to highlight and advocate for some of your team members. Oh, amazing. And I, I love this. Okay. So I'm going to shift gears a little here because, you know, when I, in the past, I guess maybe up until the point of this conversation, a lot of what I thought about in terms of managing up was how do you get your boss to act in ways that you need them to act so that you can get what you need out of the process? So for a manager who is kind of sporadic, you know, how do you get them to like talk to you in a streamlined way or like give you what you need out of that conversation? Or for a manager whose calendar is so booked all the time, you can rarely get time with them. How do you figure out the ways to insert yourself into their day so that you can have those conversations or, or again, get whatever you need? But now I'm rethinking that like, maybe that's like a sliver of it, but that's not the totality of what managing up is all about. Yeah, it's interesting that you put, it's interesting to listen to your perspective because I think what you said is true. But in reality, your job is to help your boss get what your boss needs. Now, in the perfect world, in the utopian world, your boss would be equally as concerned that you're getting what you need. And if your boss was doing that and you were concerned about what you 
that your boss is getting what your boss needs, then it would be a great, it'd be a great culture. I'm sure you'd get great results. It would just be a great place to work and to grow and all of those things. Usually doesn't happen that way. And again, you can't control your boss. If I'll give you just a, a small example because I've thought about this a lot lately. I've been on communication because of the way people choose to communicate, especially in these days where we've been so isolated. And I remember that when I was leading a large group that I really sort of (laughs) demanded would be a strong word, but I, I was really clear about communicate with me the ways I like to be communicated with. So I would share, for instance, that I'm a visual learner. So I want to see something in writing, either email or hard copy or whatever, more than I want a long voicemail. And if I was on the other side of me and I was one of those employees and I wanted to get things done, then I'm going to communicate with me the way I heard her say she wants to be communicated with. And then, you know, but looking back on it, one of the things I was thinking about as well, it would have been really nice if I looked at it from their perspective and tried to meet them, you know, halfway. But the truth is, they couldn't control me from that standpoint. All they knew is how I like to con- receive communication. So if they wanted to get something done or they wanted to get an answer from me, it was probably a better idea to, they knew that they put it in writing and they put it in the email, they were going to get a better response. And that's what I'm saying about managing up. It's like, you can try to change your boss, but that's really not likely and it's not in your control. So do if you're going to be effective at managing up, do what is in your control. And what is in your control is to understand how do they like to be communicated to? How do they, you know, a list of things of what is their preferences and then serve to those preferences. And that takes some humility to do it that way, but you'll get a whole lot further. You'll get more of what you want when they get more of what they want. I feel like that is exactly how I try to think about being a manager and kind of what you said of like, how do you shift your behavior to get what you want or what you need and to help your colleagues succeed? And really, we're just making this a really reciprocal relationship now that mm-hmm. while you are kind of quote, managing down as the boss, if your colleagues are also quote, managing up then as your direct reports, then together you create this really optimal experience for everyone. Exactly. I mean, that would be, that would be, to me, that would be a fantastic team culture, what we just described, if you could get there. So how do you now talk to your team members about this, right? Like, how do you introduce, or have you seen people do this in a way where they start the conversation with their direct reports, with their team to say, I want to share how I work best, or I want to talk to you about how we can kind of build this optimal culture where I do my best to serve you and you do your best to serve me. And we do this in a way that like works for all of us. I think that conversation. So if I'm the leader having this conversation to introduce it with my team, it always starts with me asking questions about them. You're going to see a theme and a pattern here in a moment. (laughs) So my questions about them are to them. You know, how do you like to be best communicated to? How do you, you know, how do you see our meeting cadence? How do you, I mean, you know, just the whole list of things. And then, then you return with say, I'd like to share with you, you know, my viewpoint on some of this. And it's your prerogative as the leader, as the leader to do so. And then the important thing though, is to have a lot of clarity about what you're sharing. So if you ask these questions of them, you're going to have to be a better leader at actually doing what they ask you to do or they tell you that they want. And, and I think that's important to remember in any relationship, even if you're managing up and you ask your leader about how they want something, you need to be prepared to deliver in that way. 
And so reciprocally, it's the same way. So it's good to ask questions, obviously. I think that that's a better way to bring people along with you. But once you've asked the question, you're really committing somewhat to uh, responding to their answer affirmatively. Or if you can't do what they're asking, you need to be really clear about that up front. I like to say, my mentor taught me it's kindness to refuse immediately uh, what you eventually intend to deny. And so if you hear something about a team member tells you they want something a certain way and you can't deliver that, you need to go ahead and let them know immediately. That is such a golden nugget of truth right there. And I see that happen all the time where people are like, I don't want to say no because it's hard to say no. And so I just, I'll, I'll kick the can down the road and that does, does not work. And it's so much better to just, if you know you can't deliver on that, to not do it. And if you know that you're not going to, if someone says they really like you to text them and you just know that you're not going to work that way, then just tell them, I understand that you like to have text messages, you know, for urgent things. I'm just going to let you know that that's not the way that I work. And, and most likely I won't be able to send you text messages, but is there another way we can figure out how to compromise on this? You you know, and I'll see how valuable this input is to you about, we're talking about communication. I told you it's been my hot point lately. And uh, I actually have written blog posts on it and, and talked about this, but People have certain ways that they receive and give communication. And for instance, this whole idea of texting, which is very more popular. So I have, I have two millennial sons and one Gen Z. And I know the only way I'm going to get immediate communication with them is to text them. That is their preferred method of communication. If I call them, they probably won't answer and they'll wait for the text of why I was calling. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and I, rec- I recognize that. But then when we switch gears to business, and I hope all three of them listening to this podcast remembers this, that's not necessarily what your boss wants, particularly if there's a lot of information. They don't want a text message. And if they're over a certain age, one reason they don't want a text message is because they don't want to sit there on their phone trying to see their screen and respond in type. And Younger people don't think about that. They don't think about, but but their boss is probably a Gen Xer or a baby boomer. And, you know, it's hard, it, as you get older, it's hard to see that little screen. <laughs> and so they might rather have an email for any, I mean, besides a little, you know, just a little quick, hey, here's the, here's what's going on. I love to get those messages as long as you're not expecting some long response. But if it's a business issue and we need to converse, we either need to pick up the phone and talk about it or we need to um, hop on Zoom, or we need an email. But let's not try to do, uh, somebody sent me a contract by text message the other day. It's like, that we can't, you know, communicate that way. So I think that you brought up a really good point. And it's like understanding how to get what you want by the way you communicate um, will, will really help in this whole issue of managing that. Yeah, and I, I want to just add to this text message situation, because I work with an organization and I told them, If you need me to look at an email, text me and just say, look at your email. Like that's the best thing. If like text for sure is my most urgent, like if you need me right now and I'll look at my email a few times a day, but I'm not in my inbox all day long. So if you need me, but don't send me the entire email as a text message. That's not what I want, but yeah, just right. There are ways that we can compromise that we can find the kind of 
the, the right fixes for our situation, for our communication. So it doesn't have to be an a, all one way or all the other. Like we just need to be creative and, and have those conversations. All right. So I want to ask you one more question before we have to wrap up, which is, is there anything that you should really avoid doing when trying to manage up? Are there any like things that seem like, oh yeah, this would be a great idea. So obvious, but actually you would be undermining the process or really setting yourself up or your boss to be in a bad position. Yeah. Well, we could, I think we could do a whole podcast just on what not to do because people do get themselves in some situations. You know, first of all, and we touched on this a moment ago, but you have to really move your ego out of the way too. And so talking about whatever it is you want your boss to do to other people or in a public forum before your boss is really committed to that is a terrible thing. To do. You really back them into a corner. Unless it's an issue of um, some abusive behavior, there's rarely a reason to go over your boss's head before your boss knows what's going on. And this happens in casual ways. I mean, people don't think about it. They think, oh, I I just happened to run into so-and-so. It's a little bit harder during COVID, but, you know, I, I ran into him in the break room or I was at the local coffee shop and, you know, the guy two levels up in my organization came in, just started talking to me, asking me what was going on. And so I just started talking about what we were working on. And then all of a sudden you've talked to the guy two levels up who hasn't talked to, and you haven't talked to your boss. And so all of a sudden she's caught in a bad position because her boss two levels up comes and says, Hey, I I met so-and-so at the coffee shop the other day and was telling me about the project you're working on. So you really have to think those things through. Be careful what you talk about with other people. Your boss needs to be the first to know about most everything, especially you don't ever want them to be surprised. That's like rule number one, don't let them get surprised. So if you had a big takeaway, it's like, okay, what can I do to be sure they're never getting surprised? Another way they can get surprised is not just finding out something, but because you've done something and it didn't go well and you didn't tell them first. and so. If something doesn't go well, you want to let your boss know as soon as possible, because while that's hard, it'll be even harder if there are ripple effects of what didn't go well, and it becomes really big, and it becomes very difficult for your boss to manage. But if you tell them immediately, then you can you can move into damage control before something gets out of hand. Wise words of wisdom. All right, wrapping us up here. Can you tell us about an amazing manager that you worked for and what made this person so fantastic? Yeah, this is an easy one for me. So I had early in my career, I had mentor, sponsor, and champion all wrapped up in one. And this was uh, Jimmy Collins, who was the president of Chick-fil-A at the time. And Jimmy saw things in me that I didn't see in myself. And that was number one thing that made him great is he he saw um, great potential in me and, and really a future that I had not envisioned for myself. But because he saw that, I'll tell you something. He taught me a lot. He spent a lot of time teaching me lessons I've never forgotten. You heard me quote it just a few minutes ago. And then the other day, I, I was responding to somebody in email and I found myself quoting something that he said as well. So I've never forgotten those lessons. But what people sometimes people think of mentors and sponsors and champion as people who go easy on you and they just help you navigate the organization and they are they remove obstacles and barriers and mentors and champions and sponsors can be all those things and Jimmy was 
But another thing he did was because he invested so much, he held me accountable. And one of the stories I like to tell to this level, if you can imagine your mentor doing this, but we had a misunderstanding about something I had done. And I thought that I had, quote unquote, permission to do something because another senior executive had told me to do it. And, and I did a very bad thing. I assumed that the person who told me to do it had the authority. And as it turned out, he didn't have the authority. And so I got called into the president's office about this issue. And Jimmy and I talked about it. And as we talked, he got angrier and angrier. And finally, he said, I need you to leave my office. Well, nothing like that had ever happened before. So I just sat there for a moment. And he said, no, I mean, I need you to leave my office now. And so I made my way back. And one of I, I remember this day so very, very well. And one of the things I remember is I was so proud I didn't cry um, <laughs> when I got back to my office. But anyway, I got this went on for a few weeks that I didn't hear from him. And what I realized later is he was so angry. He didn't want to say something he was going to regret. But we we worked it out a few weeks later. And what he was angry about is he felt like that I had ignored what he asked me to do. And the trust was broken. And I was able to explain to him that was never my intention was to break trust. It was really an honest mistake. And um, But he held me accountable. And that helped me grow more than anything else that he did for me. And uh, just made him a, a tremendous mentor for me. Wow. What an incredible story. Whew. And where can people learn more about you, Dan, and get your book and all the other good stuff? Sure. So you can find me at deanturner.com, D-E-E-A-N-N-Turner.com. And please connect with me on LinkedIn. I have a Facebook author page, Deanne Turner Author, Instagram at Deanne Turner, Twitter at Deanne Turner. Crush Your Career, just released. Crush Your Career, ace the interview, land the job, and launch your future. And it's available wherever books are sold, including my website, as well as Bet on Talent, how to create a remarkable culture that wins the hearts of customers. Thank you so much for this conversation and for sharing all of your wisdom today. I really appreciate it. Oh, maybe it was my pleasure. I enjoyed it very much. Thanks. Well, that was a super fun conversation. Now, Deanne has offered to give away her book, Crush Your Career, to two members of the Modern Manager community. The first two members to claim the book will get them. So to become a member and get Deanne's book and dozens of other guest bonuses, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. Remember, if you work for a government or nonprofit agency, you get 20% off of any membership level. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. And you can find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rockstar boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.